feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. economy are on the ballot and so many of these major races are tightening everybody you are listening to the rita cosby show this is really going to be a blockbuster week and you're looking like tomorrow i think about john fetterman and oz are going to be going head to head in a debate boy i can't wait to see that one will fetterman be able to answer a single question coherently That'll be fascinating in and of itself. He also has closed captioning. I mean, it's just going to be a weird, wacky debate, but let's see what he's got. Because if he can't answer it coherently, uh, he may not have a chance whatsoever. And that race is tightening for Oz. You can see it. He is really getting close. That is a neck-and-neck race there in Pennsylvania. And then right before that is a Lee Zeldin debate. Finally, Zeldin and Hochul have agreed to a debate. She would only do one. Zeldin wanted to do a whole bunch of them. Kind of came together late last night. And so the two of them now will duke it out. And it's going to be really interesting because Hochul's already saying that she's going to go after him for saying that he's soft on guns. And he's basically going to say, well, she's soft on crime, that no matter what law is on the books... If you don't have a DA who's going to enforce anything, uh, then we're all in trouble. So it's going to be a really, it's going to be one for the record books. So we may see uh, two wild debates that could dramatically uh, change the course, first of all, in New York and maybe in the Senate in Pennsylvania, uh, given the stakes there in that one. So both of those are really, really huge and key races. And, of course, Zeldin running for governor against incumbent Kathy Hochul. That race is tightening. I mean, for a while ago, you know, Zeldin was behind, you know, 20 points or so. Now in some of the polls, there's one that he's ahead by one. Uh, There's another one where he's behind by like four. There's another one where he's behind by six. There's another one where he's ahead. Uh, That really is any person's race. Um, so a debate in that kind of a setting can really turn things around. As much as we've all been listening to it and watching it and everything else, a lot of people haven't. And for tomorrow night might be the first chance for some people to go, oh, wow, that sounds reasonable. Law and order. That sounds like a good thing. And maybe not having a crazy economy. That sounds like a good thing, too. What about protecting the border? Boy, there are some huge, huge issues that are on the plate. And do you feel... That right now, the Republican Party, uh, the momentum is clearly on their side. If you look at all the polls, you look at all the numbers, and that's why the stakes could not be higher for both sides, because this really is an enormous, enormous election. What do you think are the major issues for you, and do you feel that the Democrats are really missing the mark when it comes to issues of crime? I mean, if you're asked about crime, a lot of them are like, what crime? You know, and today, even at the White House, it was like, oh, what inflation? And if you saw some of the interviews, by the way, there was an interview with President Biden that uh, parts of it aired today and over the weekend. It was like he's in la la land. You know, they're like, "Uh, are you planning on run again? Uh, Maybe. 
Um, you know, is Jill want you to run again? Well, uh, kind of. Snooze, snooze. It is really painful. And this is what we're dealing with every single day, guys. And that's why, you know, the Democrats know it, too. They see it. They see the headlines like we all do. They see all these races. And again, a blue state like New York, where it's tightening and it's neck and neck. Now it's a toss up race between Zeldin and Hochul. And you see in Pennsylvania, the race is definitely tightening there. A number of other key states. And that, of course, could spell control of the Senate. That could still, you know, control of the State House, of course, in New York and the Zeldin case. That is a big, big, big deal. And that's because crime is so bad. That is because things are so falling apart in so many states across this country. And over the weekend, you saw Kathy Hochul and Eric Adams talking about, well, maybe we'll add some more overtime hours. Boy, that is such an insult. First of all, it's a drop in the bucket. What about more cops? And isn't it way too little, way too late, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Well, take a listen first off. Here is Mark Thiessen, conservative commentator. And he said, based on everything he's seeing, that basically... There's no way that that Biden's going to be able to run again after what he says has been a disaster. And in fact, so few of the Democratic candidates want to even campaign with this guy. The only person who's really kind of shown off with him is Fetterman because he makes Fetterman look better, if you can believe it or not. I think that's the only reason. He's like, what do I have to lose? The guy's got the same energy level as I do. You know, it's like... Like maybe it makes him look better. Maybe that's why he's thinking. But nobody else wants him. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And here's Mark Thiessen talking about Biden's future and what a dismal, basically, weight he has been on the Democratic candidates as they head to the midterms. He's not running again, and if he if he if he were to run again, I think he'd be challenged. I mean, the the if if this the, the if the polls are right and the shift going to the Republicans is such that like the red wave is coming back and, and gaining strength, and this uh, the, the, not there's no chance that the Democrats will nominate him again for a second term. They're going to come to him and say, "Look, you passed your American Rescue Plan, you got the Inflation Reduction Act, you got all this spending, the climate's biggest climate spending ever. It's time to cl- declare victory and step aside." And he also says that when you listen to him, it is like alternate universe. Like he is not talking about the border. He's not talking about crime. If you ask him about inflation, in fact, today, this was an insult to me. When I saw him today, he was asked about the inflation. He's like, you know what? We're actually doing better. And he listed like two or three other countries. I'm thinking, um, we're the beacon of the world. We're America. We should be doing really well. And the best you can say about our inflation is that, you know what, there's another one that's just slightly worse than us, you know? I mean, that's like, uh, she's not that bad or he's not that bad. You, know, you go on a, you know, you go on a, a blind date and they say, how was it? And you go, uh, you know what? He's interesting, you know? Not as interesting as the last one, but still interesting. You're like, boy, that's bad. Don't go out with that person again. Anyway, here is Mark Thiessen uh, putting it all in perspective. 
So when Biden says the economy is strong as hell, most people look at him and says, what, what planet are you living on? I'm having to choose between gas and food. I'm going to have to choose between heating my home and paying my rent. And you're talking about how what a great job you've done and all the things you've passed. Uh, so it, it not only does it not work, it pushes voters away. It makes people think this guy is completely out of touch. And it put, that's putting aside like the cognitive impairment issues uh, that he showed in that interview with Jonathan Capehart. Just on, on pure politics of what his messaging is, he's out of touch. And that is why the Democrats are going full throttle on Republicans and anything tied to President Trump. You know, they clearly still see President Trump as a major threat. My gut is President Trump's going to announce right after the midterms, especially if the House goes well for the Republicans and, of course, potentially the Senate, too, as well, uh, as we're talking about all some of these other races. My gut tells me. Knowing President Trump and reading the tea leaves and seeing he'll want to kind of go in early and clear out the field and the way he's talking at all the rallies and everything he's been doing of late, my gut tells me he's going to be doing it potentially maybe within days of the midterms, especially if they turn out to do well for the Republicans, for his party. Uh, But that's why President Biden, when you got nothing in your tank, you basically go after Something else. And that's why it's all go after MAGA, MAGA, MAGA. Today, he must have said mega, MAGA, trickle down like 10 times. Like, clearly, that's the new line because the other one, remember, was this, where he basically blasted all of MAGA and said that anybody who has anything to do with President Trump, i.e., at least the 74 million plus that voted for him, Well, you don't deserve to be in America. I mean, these smears are so disgusting. Take a listen. This is, again, when Biden was doing what I call his Darth Vader speech. Remember, not that long ago when he was in front of, like, with the blood red walls and the Marines and the standing. And, you know, this is Mr. Unity Joe. Listen. MAGA Republicans have made their choice. They embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. They live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. But together, together, we can choose a different path. We can choose a better path forward to the future. A future of possibility, a future to build and dream and hope. And we're on that path moving ahead. I know this nation. I know you, the American people. I know your courage. I know your hearts, and I know our history. This is a nation that honors our Constitution. We do not reject it. That's Mr. Unity for you. And by the way, coming up after the break, an astounding comment coming from very much a conservative commentator, uh, rather Democratic commentator on good old MSNBC, uh, who basically said that The Republicans are essentially, the GOP Republicans are essentially Hitler. I mean, this is amazing. This is one of the most disgusting, gross smears that I have ever heard, again, from a Democratic consultant there on MSNBC. And I'll play that for you after the break because it gets uglier and uglier. And to me, it just shows that the Democrats are more and more and more desperate. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Frank in Maine on line two. Frank, your thoughts about all this? Oh, good evening, Rita. Um, 
Uh, always a pleasure to speak to you, uh, especially from a rainy but great state of Maine. You know, Rita. And and by the um, way, Frank, I'm going to commiserate with you because it's a rainy state of New York too, as well. So I think <laughs> I think I think it's it's either coming up your way or you're bringing it down. I'm not sure which, but uh, I, I think it's I think it's, a, I think it's one big cloud. I <laughs> one think big so. Umbrella cloud. It yeah. is. I think so too. I think so too. So I'm commiserating with you, Frank. But go ahead, uh, Rita. Uh, Madam Governor Hochul is a fake, phony fraud for Gazy. She has, she has come out along with along with Mayor Adams, and you already you already stated this that uh, she wanted she wants now to put more cops in the subways. She wants to give them overtime. She wants oversight. She wants to make sure the subways are safe. You know what? She should have done that a year ago. She should have done that and got rid of that Alvin Bragg character. You know, it's it's sad. It's sad that this is this is the tactics. Anybody who buys her garbage, anybody who buys that she she's she now wants to make New York safe. I got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you, and I also have I also have a national park in Maine called Arcadia. You can you can buy both of them, and I'll give you I'll give you a, a deed. Um, because if you're that gullible, you'll believe anything. Uh, don't believe this woman. Don't believe Mayor Adams. They're they're doing it for their own personal and their political agenda, and they're doing it for votes. I mean, you got to look at you got to look at it way where it is and where we are right now. She's she's on the verge of losing, and now all of a sudden she's worried about crime. Uh, I don't believe it. It's a lie. It's a really it's really fake. And I'm glad I moved out of New York. As sad as that sounds. It's so true. Rita, have a good night. Thank you, Frank, very much. And by the way, I like Arcadia National Park. You brought that up, that uh, you have a uh, not only a bridge, but also uh, Arcadia Park, because that's beautiful. I've actually gone camping there in the past. It's a beautiful place there in Maine. Thank you, Frank, very, very much. Uh, let's go to Al in Yonkers. Al, um, you know, I agree with Frank, what Frank just said, because it looks so hollow and it's so staged that suddenly here it is, you know, uh, two weeks, you know, about uh, tomorrow night. Finally, OK, she's going to do a debate. And finally, she talks about crime. And it's not even enough, but it just looks so gratuitous. And just it's so political. And again, even yeah. what she's suggesting, Al, I don't even think is going to really have a dent. She's talking about adding overtime hours for police officers. She's not talking about adding officers. She's talking about stretching them thinner and having them more stressed than they already are. Um, and it's just yeah. so insincere. That's the only way I can describe it. When I saw it, I was like, oh, give me a break. But go ahead. Yeah, you know, I agree with your uh, your last caller, Frank. I mean, most people could see through this. I mean, it's insulting. Uh, Governor Hochul, the state Senate majority leader, the assembly speaker, they've done nothing about bail reform. Uh, it's in the 11th hour of her election coming up for her to, to win a a term on her own, and it seems like the voters, the undecided, the independents and all, are breaking towards Zeldin. Uh, Congressman Zeldin has the momentum. His support is strong. No matter what the weather is that day, his supporters are going to get there, like myself, because Governor Hochul has done nothing about the bail reform, the crime issue, and on a national level, that was on a state level, on a national level with the Senate, we see liberal uh, Lieutenant Governor Barnes, who's the Democratic nominee against uh, 
Senator Johnston, who's an ally of President, former President Trump in Wisconsin. Yep, Johnson, uh, Rob was, Johnson, yep. Yeah, Barnes Johnson. was ahead the whole time. But then Johnston uh, uh, brought out the ads of his record. And he's never been pro-police, uh, and you can't run from your record. So I think nationally and locally in uh, New York that the Democrats have a, a serious problem with the crime issue, and the silent majority is going to come in, and hopefully it's a red wave that the Republicans uh, take it all. Well, it's so important uh, that law and order uh, and candidates who appreciate and have been consistent, just like you said, Al, on law and order – That is the key, 1,000%. And by the way, also coming up later in the show, we're going to have Dick Morris to get his take on where the races are and also the importance, by the way, of early voting. He has some stunning details about that. We're going to talk about that and a lot more after the break, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The races are tightening across this country. Nancy Pelosi, though, over the weekend says she thinks the Democrats will hold the House and the Senate. Um, Most people are going, it doesn't look that way. Uh, And she says, oh, my goodness, the world is going to explode if Democrats don't stay in power. Take a listen. I don't have any uh, time uh, to dwell on our not winning the House. So I would. That is so scary. I agree with you. There's reason to be scared when you hear that. But the fact is, is that we fully intend to win. Is that scary? Wow. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norm, line five. Norm, your thoughts about all this. Go ahead, Norm. Uh, Rita, um, excuse me, my voice is messed up from screaming from yesterday. Um, I, uh, I'm scooping you because I like you the most on WABC. Okay, yesterday uh, I attended a rally in which Kathy Hochul was supposed to speak uh, at the 72nd Street uh, IRT train station. Um, um, I contacted, well, I'm I'm a Zeldin Zeldin, um, volunteer, and uh, me and a bunch of uh, Zeldin volunteers went down, uh, uh, went, went up there. And uh, what happened, Norm? Uh, what happened was uh, she didn't appear. Um, I have inside information. A member of the Democratic Party told me she was on the way, but then she heard that a large contingent of anti mandate people and uh, pro Zeldin people were going to come to boo her, which we did. Um, the people that showed up were Tish James, Jerry Nadler, Brad Lander, Gail Brewer, and some other uh, Democrat. Uh, so some, a whole bunch of other uh, New York politicians. A whole bunch of others. So did she get so did she get did she get scared away from you knowing that you guys were going to be there real quick, Norm? Was that what happened? Yes. Yes. She turned around and left. Um, And basically because we got there early. So her people got word to her that we were going to we were going to we were going to raise hell. And we did. And uh, but peacefully protest, Norm, too. Right. Peacefully. Just making your point out. I just want people to hear. Yeah. Peacefully. It's always peacefully protest, but we were we were look if you, uh, we we booed and went you know uh, what about the crime and things like that when all, all these people were talking about was uh, you know uh, um, uh, the uh, climate change uh, gun control and uh, Donald Trump. 
Wow. I mean, well, well, Norm, it's going to be really interesting. By the way, thank you for sharing that information because that is interesting uh, that she doesn't want to be seen if there's uh, protesters. I mean, you got to hear from all sides, especially if it's peaceful, uh, which I'm sure it was with you, Norm. Um, you know, but that's interesting. I can't wait to see the debate tomorrow, how she's going to handle it. More after the break, everybody. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which we love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, a big shout out to our law enforcement and also their families. This is a great story coming from Indian River County, Florida, where a Florida sheriff's deputy and an Amazon driver are being credited with saving three lives as they stopped and investigated a car upside down in a canal. It happened just before 3 p.m. on Saturday. All three victims amazingly survived the ordeal. By the way, that county is on Florida's east coast. It's about 90 miles southeast of Orlando. And the sheriff's office says while Deputy Dan Whittington was on his way to an unrelated call, he happened to look over and see a partially submerged vehicle upside down in a canal. Officer Whittington immediately took action and he waded into the canal to rescue the occupants inside the vehicle. The sheriff's office also said that on the scene as well was an unidentified Amazon driver that went into the canal to assist the officer. Two of the women pulled from the vehicle were taken to the hospitals there, thankfully with just minor injuries. And body cam footage shows that the upside-down car windows were underwater as Officer Whittington and the Amazon driver worked diligently on opposite sides to get the people out. What a great story. I have even more now, even more respect for the Amazon drivers who work so hard. But what a great story helping local law enforcement to save these lives. What a great story. And that's why we always love sharing the story about backing the blue. Well, we are talking, of course, about the vitriol that has been intensifying, especially on the Democratic side. My goodness, President Biden basically saying GOP. Well, you know what? Uh, You don't deserve to be basically in America. You are against the democracy. And I thought I've heard it all. Until I heard this comment, this comes, by the way, from Matthew Dowd. And just to give a little bit of background, he was on the Bush-Cheney team, uh, campaign team. So he's sort of a never-Trumper, if you will. And now he goes on MSNBC. And this, to me, is probably one of the most disgusting comments that anybody could ever say about the Republicans. And I think it's downright shameful. Take a listen. I'll remind people, too, of a history lesson that, there, in the 1930s Germany, there was a candidate and then there was a party that said they were going to do something about inflation, and they did do something about inflation. Inflation went away, but so did the democracy in Germany in, in, in the 1930s up until 1945. I mean, I think the problem is twofold. It's, to me, it's really twofold. One, I think the media, I think, has a responsibility in this. And I think you you obviously are doing this with a headline show on Deadline Democracy, and you do it every day. But there's too much reporting on something voters already are aware of and not enough on what voters may be unaware of, which is the threat to democracy 
and then what that might mean. What is the results of that? It's not only will an economy flourish, it's will you have any equity in an economy? Because what happens when you lose a democracy, the economy comes becomes the service of the tribe in power. That is the most outrageous. The beginning of that where he basically says, you know what, there were, you know, that philosophy or whatever is basically the beginning of Nazism is Hitler's rule. That is disgusting. And this is what Charles Payne on Fox Business had to say to react to that comment. To suggest that, you know, I mean, this whole Nazism bull has got to stop. You know, to, to, I, I, don't, I, I recognize the face. I don't know who the hell that was. But that person yeah. is a despicable piece of you know what mm-hmm. to, to put that out there. I mean, this is the only thing Democrats run on, division, hatred, anger, fear. America used to be about prosperity, hope. That's what we were always about. We always have to descend into this thing, oh, if you elect Republicans in the midterm, it's going to be returned to Nazism. And Ali Velshi, I used to go on TV with him all the time. He started out as, as a reporter, uh, economics reporter. He knows damn well inflation's at a 40-year high. And joining us now to discuss all of this is a man who has advised Presidents Trump and Clinton. He also has an amazing new best-selling book out. It is called The Return. Dick Morris, great to have you here on The Rita Cosby Show. But, but don't leave out my favorite part of the book, the subtitle, Trump's Big 2024 Comeback. Yeah, and we're going to definitely talk about that because I think that that's very much the reason that the Democrats have been throwing barbs. Because just yeah. as you were predicting, Dick, um, but the vitriol has been unbelievable, not just against President Trump, obviously, because they are worried about 2024, but also just in general. There's a new comment that came out recently from Matthew Dowd. He was on MSNBC. And he basically said, you know, for the GOP to be focusing on inflation and the economy, he equated it to the Nazi party in the 1930s. How outrageous. Mm. Mm. Terrible. I think any references to the Nazi party are wrong, even if they're somewhat accurate, like when you describe the Justice Department these days. There's nothing equivalent to the Holocaust and nothing should even be put in the same sentence. I agree. Why do you think it is that the Democrats are really resorting to, you know, if you talk about crime, um, like Larry Krasner basically said, the GOP that's criticizing him and his, you know, pretty dismal record on crime, well, they're racist. And then Matthew Dowd saying, well, they're Nazis. Why do you think the Democrats are resorting to just such intense name calling? Well, uh, there's nothing else really for them to say. Uh, You're not going to get out there and defend crime or say that inflation is not a problem, or that, uh, or that it's good that people are coming across the border illegally, but we'd like the fentanyl that's sending in. Uh, you, you can't say that. And the, the talking point that they've had, which was abortion, has basically gone away because it's been answered by the candidates, particularly in New York with Zeldin, saying, look, I'm not going to change the current law. I'm personally pro-life, but New York state law is what I'm going to respect, and I'm not going to try and change it. So the issue's gone away, and uh, you're watching uh, a harbor that was filled with ships at low tide. (laughs) They're all just sitting there in the mud. 
How pivotal are the debates? Because there's a lot of them that are coming up. Uh, and I think about um, two in particular tomorrow. Um, Lee Zeldin, Kathy Hochul, the one debate uh, that she's agreed to. Also, Oz and Fetterman, the one debate that Fetterman's agreed to. How key are these debates this time? Well, I think the Pennsylvania debate is key uh, because everybody wants to know if, if Fetterman is alive. alive. And uh, he certainly is going to have to answer a lot of tough questions. The New York debate less so because it really isn't being covered everywhere. Uh, The networks are not covering it. And uh, I think New York one is, but I think that's it. Am I correct about that? Yeah, so far. But, you know, it's interesting. It just basically came together yesterday. So, I mean, they didn't have a lot of time to prepare either. I see. Well, I think that, uh, but I think that'll have some effect because it's the first time Hopal has ever really been under scrutiny or under pressure or people have ever been able to see what she's made of. And of course, in New York, Zeldin uh, is a new name statewide, and I think that it'll have an effect. But I think the main one's going to be the Oz campaign. I'm a little worried about that debate because Hillary Clinton once wrote in her book, in one of her early books, that uh, whenever she would give a speech, uh, she called it the talking dog syndrome, which is that she would say something intelligent, and people would say, oh, my God, look, a woman is saying that. How wonderful that is. And it's like a talking dog. You, know, you don't much care about the content, just that the dog talks. And I'm worried about that Fetterman will be in that category, and people will say, oh, look, he's not, he can, getting out a sentence. He's saying things completely. And uh, regardless of what he's saying, but we'll see how that goes. But at the yeah, moment, absolutely. And with the closed captioning, I mean, that's a whole other yeah. issue, Dick, with the closed captioning. That opens up the door so much to see how is that debate going to happen? He's only doing one. It's one hour. Same thing, ironically, yeah. you know, with Hochul and Zeldin. It's like this yeah. sort of one hour, different times. So that's good. So we can watch them both. Um, but I do think the debates in many cases could change the dynamics in what are now tight races. Yeah. I think that's true. I think that uh, I think that in particular, uh, the opportunity for Oz to get out there and show himself to people uh, when he's been vilified in these ads for month after month after month, and if he doesn't show up in a Turkish fez, it's going to be fine. Everybody will think, <laughs> you know, oh, he is an American after all. We will probably end up with fifty-two or fifty-three seats. I think uh, Oz is going to win. I think that uh, that we that Masters will win in Arizona. I think that um, most likely Walker will win after runoff, and that's 52 seats, uh, 53 possibly because I would not write off Leora Levy in Connecticut. I think she has a shot against Blumenthal, and of course Laxalt has a good shot in Nevada. So 53 is really what it adds up to with an outside chance at 54. Wow. And that is a biggie because, of course, uh, you know, we just need a few of those uh, for the GOP to take the lead. I want to before we um, let you go, Dick, I definitely want to talk with you on the flip side. uh, Democrats have been doing really well with early voting. You had a really powerful common uh, column here where you talked about just the disparate amount of early votes that are at least in the Democratic column versus the GOP column. Talk about that and why that's so important and uh, lessons from 2020. Yeah, of the first votes that have been cast, 2.1 million have been cast by registered Republicans and 1.2 million by Republicans. 
I'm sorry, first one two point two point one million by by Democrats and one point two by Republicans. And uh the Republicans are sort of taking the attitude that, hey, we got burned with early voting in twenty twenty. They were fraudulent, some of those votes were stolen. Let's not vote until election day. And that's like what Mark Twain said. Uh, cat sits down on a hot stove and will never do it again, but they'll never sit down on a cold stove either. <laughs> and I think that uh, that the, the fact that we really need to do early voting, because you get about a 5% attrition rate of people who really plan to vote, really plan to vote for you in good faith, and they can't. It snows or, uh, they, or they, get, uh, they get the flu or their kids are sick or something happens and they just can't do it. You know, stuff happens. And there's no backup if you're just going to vote on election day. But if you go in for early voting and you miss a day, you, you do that the next day. And from the party's point of view, the Democrats can always pull them out if they don't vote and then say, hey, you haven't voted yet. We've been at your house five times. Uh, and, and I think that, that that's, it's very important to do the early voting. You don't want to walk into Election Day 10 million votes behind. You really don't. No, that's a great point. And as you talk about uh, in your column, uh, every vote counts. And, you know, there's no margin for error, as you bring up. You know, people, sometimes things happen, the best of intentions. And you're right. Why not go it on all different directions? Do you feel that the GOP uh, will get that message? Uh, They've got, you know, two weeks to do so, a little over two weeks. I don't know. I've been hollering about it for two days, and I'll keep it at the top of my lungs, and I hope a lot of people hear. It's one of those things where even if the, even if the leadership doesn't get it, enough of the voters get it, so it makes a difference. In New York State, we have this incredible chance that we haven't had for decades fundamentally to change state government and make New York not one of the ultimate liberal states in the world, in New California but make it a new Georgia, you know, a new opposition to that stuff. And uh, I think that uh, Hoko and uh, and uh, Zeldin are basically tied. And uh, I've, I was just speaking today to um, uh, Lawler, who's running against Maloney in Rockland County, and he's ahead, and he thinks that we're about to pick up five new seats in New York State alone which would mean national pickup of 40 or 50. So uh, it is very important that we do this. Uh, and I think that we have a unique opportunity here to change the fundamental dynamics of our state into a low-tech state, into a uh, pro and an anti-crime state, uh, one which forces the DAs to live up to their responsibility. I think they can change our lives in such fundamental ways, and it's terribly important to come out and vote early. One thousand percent. So much on the line. Dick Morris, so great to have you here. And everybody, make sure you check out his awesome best-selling book, The Return, Trump's Big 2024 Comeback. Great to have you on the show, Dick. Thank you, Rita. Bye-bye. So what are your thoughts, guys? Where it's headed? You just heard Dick's thoughts about where the debates are going to be. Key, key, key. And also, how Democrats are missing the mark on so many issues. I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, the fact that crime is not like one of the central issues in basically any Democratic race right now, like they want to talk 
as you heard from Norm earlier about climate change and windmills and all that stuff. And people are going, wait a minute, they're worried about going on the subways. They're worried about going to the store. They're worried about being able to pay for something when they go to the store because of the economy and so many things. There are so many layers to this. I mean, case in point, the repeat offenders, the whole cash bail and soft on crime DAs, all of these issues, to me, that is front row and center in so many cases. And I look at, like, even some of the recent cases in New York, there was a big subway pusher. He finally got nabbed, by the way, for shoving a stranger unprovoked. You see the videotape. Turns out he had 20 prior arrests. 20. Not two. Not half of one. 20 prior arrests. And if you thought that's bad, somebody else who was arrested about a month earlier for shoving somebody, this one was in the Union Square area of New York City. He had 45 prior arrests. I mean, this is insanity to allow these people to continue to do it over and over and over again. It's outrageous. And these officials who have given these people a free pass don't deserve to have our vote. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete. Line six. Pete, your thoughts about it all. Go ahead. Oh, Rita, I like the way this is turning now because all the ads uh, for these Democrats are starting to be so negative to the uh, opposition. And I like that when it turns that way because that means they're in fear. They're running, they're running into the fire because they feel that they are getting, uh, you know, outworked and uh, that it's turning that the Republicans are going to succeed. So uh, when I hear the negative ads, instead of them promoting what they have done and the lies that they said what they completed, if you listen to this Hochul, he, uh, he and Eric uh, Adams, I mean, you would think they solved the whole crime problem, that everything is fine in the subways and everything. If you listen, if I guess if they think if they tell you enough times that it's true, but it's not. We know it. That's You hit it on the head, Pete, because that's exactly what it is. They want to keep saying it over and over again so somebody, somebody out there believes it. Um, but we all see what's really happening with our own two eyes, and we know it's hogwash. Let's go to Rick real quick on line seven. Rick, your thoughts. How you doing there, Rita? Good, good, um, good. I had, an idea, I had an idea for maybe saving people from getting thrown on the, in front of the train. I was thinking they could design a platform that had a little slot in it at the edge and a steel gate could come up. When the train is not there, steel gate is up. When the train comes in, stops, gate goes down, people get on and off, gate goes back up, train leaves the station. Yeah, and by the way, there have been attempts at that in the past, too. Um, and I know other like locations around the world have even tried that kind of approach. And, and you're absolutely right. You know what's so sad, Rick, that we have to think of that now. I mean, isn't that sad? And especially the latest footage of this guy who I'm talking about who had 20 prior arrests um, where he just randomly runs over and pushes somebody. It's so scary. Um, you know, the person's just kind of walking down and he runs over and he runs away like it's like some fun little game. And how sad is it that we've come to a point where we have to really think about what you're just talking about and what other steps can be done? I mean, you know, it's crazy enough having to deal with the subway and deal with the cars and everything else. And then to have to look about, you know, you know, 24-7, you know, to see who's coming out of nowhere 
um, and who's just kind of casually walking is suddenly going to do something horrible. It, it, we are in a really sad place, and that really breaks my heart. But I think your point's a very, very good one, Rick. Thanks so much. We're going to continue, everybody, with your calls. Crime on the ballot. But the Democrats go, what crime? They don't want to talk about it. They want to talk about windmills. We'll talk about more after the break. The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about how crime is rampant, sadly. There are so many cases in New York and across the country and with repeat offenders. And what are the Democrats doing? Well, they're trying to find a couple Hail Marys. You look at Governor Hochul, for example, who basically came out this weekend and said, well, we're going to add some more overtime on the subway for officers. No mention about bail reform, no cash bail, no mention about any of this. Alvin Bragg, soft on crime DA, none of that. Wow, 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 wow. Boy, is it a Hail Mary, and boy, does it still, I call it too little, too late. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Richard, line five. Richard, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for taking my call. Um, sorry about last time. I was kind of upset just uh, with the mayor and everything like that. Um, I just, the way I see things going now, it's like you, 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 you really drilling down tonight and I like your show and and I love everything that you're saying. I loved your guest that was on and he's right. He's a hundred percent right. We, we, we can't sleep. We have to go out there and we have to make the vote and everyone's vote counts. We have to do it early because we have to always Put in our mind, like if we're behind. 1,000. And by the way, Richard, those numbers were stunning that Dick Morris just provided that in the early voting, at least of the ones who are registered Democrats versus registered Republicans, he says it is showing obviously a high turnout for registered Democrats. Um, so that is a that's a concern. I mean, that, you know, in terms of getting out to the vote, Republicans to take the House. Uh, got to catch up, and you can't just bank it all on election day. You got to get out and vote. You got to tell your friends to get out and vote because this really is a pivotal election, Richard. More than like so many others, I'm happy to see people are interested, but they got to do more than talk. They got to get out and vote. They got to vote early, and they got to have their voice heard for law and order. We're going to continue with more after the break, everybody. You're listening to the Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Later on in this hour, we're going to talk about some stunning numbers that are coming out about the number of border crossers on our U.S. southern border. It is downright alarming. Uh, It hit a record high. And what a surprise. The numbers came out on Friday night, 
around 11, 1130, where I used to cover Washington all the time. And if you had something that you wanted buried, you would put it out on Friday night around 11, 1130. You know, it's like ah, people are moving into the weekend. They're thinking about a whole bunch of other things. They have been asking about the numbers of how many of those who have crossed the border, again, illegally, how many have encountered with the Border Patrol. These are the ones we know about, not even the ones we don't know about. And so they've been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. What a surprise, surprise, surprise. And the numbers finally came out on late Friday night. And later on in the show, we are going to talk uh, to one of the best border officials out there. We're going to talk to the former commissioner of Customs and Border Protection, Mark Morgan, who can give us a great perspective about what these numbers mean to our national security. But take a listen to former border chief Rodney Scott talking about the fact that the Homeland Security Secretary and others keep saying, Oh, the border's fine. It's not open. What are you talking about? Take a listen, because these new numbers, by the way, close to 3 million. There's a hint of the numbers. That's the highest it's ever been in recorded history. That is stunning. And he says, guess what? This administration is full of it. And the Republican criticized my economic record. But look at what I've inherited and what I've done. And look at what they're offering. They want to double down on the Trump tax cuts for the wealthy, make them permanent because they're going to expire in 2025. They want to send jobs overseas where big corporations can, in fact, pay lower wages and increase their profits. And these are tax cuts that give most benefits to billionaires and wealthy corporations. And let's get specific. They want to abolish the 15 percent. 15 percent. What a terrible thing to ask a corporation to pay. 15 percent tax that I insisted that those 55 corporations who made $40 billion and didn't pay a red cent, they now, my God, they got to pay 15%. If Republicans get their way, the deficit is going to soar. The tax burden is going to fall in the middle class. Well, we had to play that because he was whispering again. We always love him whispering. It's like creepy, even if it's about the economy. But here is the former border chief, Rodney Scott. Take a listen. He lies, by the way, and says the border is secure while hundreds of miles of border are open and we have documented gotaways over 600,000. Why is that defined as secure at the border? But yet at the White House or at TSA, where he runs both those security apparatuses, uh, he must be using a different definition. More important than any of the numbers we're talking about today is the fact that our federal government officials, elected officials, appointed officials are blatantly lying to America And America needs to stand up and fight back. Yeah, how scary is that? Well, we're going to talk to Mark Morgan in just about a half hour or so, a little less than that. Get his take on all of this because this is an enormous national security risk, enormous threat to America. And the White House continues to go, what open border? It's just like, what about crime? They don't talk about that. They don't want to talk about inflation. And in fact, Nancy Pelosi, by the way, over the weekend was asked about inflation. She's like, no, no, no. We need to change the topic. If we're asked about inflation, we need to just say, you know, talk about something else because a lot of people are dealing with inflation. So let's just move on. No big deal. To me, it is outrageous. That kind of rhetoric and that kind of disconnect, I think, is why the races are tightening so much, even in some states that are traditionally blue states. 
because people are just seeing, gosh, the Democrats seem out of touch. And the first sign also usually when people are losing is they resort to name calling. You know, it's like if you don't have the facts, you start basically trying to slam the other person, like smear them with names or whatever else. It's almost like high school. You know, it's like it goes back to that. You know, it's like, ah, oh, it's the person who calls the person. OK, well, they're jealous or they're worried or whatever the case is. So Liz Cheney, uh, not to be forgotten now that the January 6th thing has been put on a little bit of a pause. And she's wondering, gosh, what's going to happen if the Republicans take the House? There won't be any more January 6th come January, you know, this January, because the first thing the Republicans will do is just get rid of that. But Liz Cheney, to me, just made one of the most disgusting comments, smearing the GOP. And remember, she's still a member of the GOP. She says that she is going to run against, basically try to, not her herself yet, although I think she probably will run for president at some point, but that she is planning to actively go up against any of these candidates that are Trump-supported candidates and try to get them not elected. Um, So now she's also going after Kevin McCarthy. And this is one of the most disgusting comments I've also heard in a long time. Over the weekend, remember, first off, last week, you heard Kevin McCarthy say, listen, we have to check if the Republicans come into the House, that there should be some sort of accountability for funds that are going out, whether it goes to Ukraine or somewhere else, and that there needs to be some sort of accounting of the money. And not saying we're not going to support Ukraine, just saying that he wants to make sure that it's being used appropriately, the weapons are getting into the right hands, that the money is going somewhere because we're all worried about the economy. It wasn't taken as, oh, gosh, I can't stand, you know, the Ukrainians. I'm not going to support the Ukrainians. It was we just need to get thoughtful and think, make sure the money's going to the right place, make sure it's accounted, make sure it's correctly getting into the right hands. So what does Liz Cheney do? She basically says he's Putin's buddy now. Take a listen to what she said over the weekend. The idea that somehow the party is now no longer going to support the Ukrainian people, which you know, for somebody who has a picture of Ronald Reagan on the the wall of his office in the Capitol, uh, the notion that now Kevin McCarthy is going to make himself the leader of the pro-Putin wing of my party is just a stunning thing. Uh, it's dangerous. He knows better. But the fact that he's willing to go down the path of suggesting that America will no longer stand for freedom, mm-hmm. I think, tells you he's willing to sacrifice everything for his own political gain. Wow. What about Liz Cheney sacrificing everything for her anger at President Trump? I mean, is there anybody out there who thinks that she's just doing it solely for the good of the country? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And meantime, as we were talking about earlier, this is incredible. Coming from Matthew Dowd. He is a former Bush Cheney. See the common thread there? Another Cheneyite. Bush Cheney, folks, and he was on MSNBC. And this, to me, again, makes Liz Cheney's comments sound like Mary Poppins. Take a listen. I'll remind people, too, of a history lesson that there in the 1930s Germany, there was a candidate and there was a party that said they were going to do something about inflation. And they did do something about inflation. Inflation went away. But so did the democracy in Germany in, in, in the 1930s up until 1945. So if you're talking about inflation, you're a Nazi. I mean, that's basically what he's saying. Like, they're trying to come in and try to change the economy and make it better. And that makes you a Nazi. 
I mean, that to me is one of the most outrageous, disgusting comments. And it's that kind of vitriol that is increasing some of the tensions that we've seen around the country. One of the things that just came out recently, and this is downright frightening, a Republican staffer for Marco Rubio was nearly stabbed to death uh, for canvassing an area for campaigns. Um, It's amazing to me. Why isn't the mainstream media covering this? Apparently he was wearing a Rubio T-shirt and a DeSantis hat. And a group basically stabbed him. He almost died. He has to get facial reconstruction. Where is President Biden and where is Merrick Garland, the attorney general, commenting about this? You know, it's like any time that there's been like a protest in front of, you know, the Supreme Court. Oh, no problem if it's a conservative justice or no problem if it's a conservative campaign worker. Can you imagine if this campaign worker worked for Biden? You wouldn't hear the end of it. I mean, this is outrageous, and that's why this kind of rhetoric of, like, smearing people like they're part of the Putin party or part of the Hitler party, I mean, it's outrageous. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Lewis in Queens. Go ahead, Lewis, your thoughts. Hey, Rita. Yeah, I mean, the guy before who was talking about us putting those borders, you know, those panels in the subway, why not just throw these people in front of the train themselves? You know, wait for what? the next train. What are you talking about, Lewis? Okay. What are you talking about? No, That's if you, crazy. If you have, no, no, it's not, because it's a double standard. Otherwise, if you have someone who's a career criminal who's throwing people into the train, why not throw them in front of the train and save taxpayers the money? on food and free gym and free cable, and then it sends a great message. If you do this, this will happen to you. Um, yeah, but- Lewis, and why don't we um, not be a third-world country but a fourth-world country? I mean, that's, that's yeah, like fourth-world justice. What would justice. Abraham Lincoln have done back in, you know, if people did this? You, were, you didn't get away with this crap back then. You know what I mean? Well, and I hear your point about the frustration of these repeat offenders, and I do think there needs to be some form of appropriate punishment. But what you're talking about is obviously uh, not for uh, – the civil well, I mean, world. It's, it's very draconian. I understand that. Oh, but when you you're think, dealing with Lewis, Lewis, you think it might be slightly draconian? I mean, you know, come on. Yeah, but what? But what are they doing? What are they doing? Why the double standard? I mean, if they do it, then you know, why can't we do it to them? You know. Well, that's, you that's a little harsh. Own language. That's that's extremely harsh. I mean, I'm all for and yeah, Lewis. He, listen, hang on a second, Lewis. I am all for, and you've probably been listening to the show, I'm all for tough punishment. Believe me, I'm the first one to say, lock them up, especially if they're repeat offenders and and people who are, you know, clearly uh, not remorseful, not changing their ways. Uh, But I think there's a a little bit uh, different approach in a civil society, and I don't think it's that. But I think we can get tougher uh, but we don't have to resort to uh, to uh, I can't even think of anywhere in the world. I'm trying to think of like in Saudi. If you if you rob something, your hand suddenly missing the next day, you know. And uh, but uh, you're you're talking like uh, that times 20, Lewis. But but I hear the frustration about getting tough on criminals, although that is uh, way, way too much to a degree. I, I don't know if there's anybody out there that agrees with you on that one, Lois. Uh, but it was an interesting call. I'll give you that, Lois. Thanks so much. Let's go to Melania uh, on line six from Florida. Uh, Melania, you just heard Lewis is like tough, tough, tough. Go ahead. Oh, my goodness. We no mess with Lewis. Yeah, Lewis, Lewis is one bad, bad guy, oh bad my, dude. My goodness. You know, Rita, 
I think there are two very simple reasons why we must vote Republican. I think the first reason is the mascot for a Republican Party is the elephant, a grand regal animal, no? What is the Democrat mascot, Rita? It's a donkey, of course. Or otherwise known as an ass. So you can pick either the elephant or the ass. And then we say these crazy, crazy liberals, they are the left. Now, Rita, who wants to be left? I mean, left out, left behind. We don't like this. But the Republicans, we on the right. You know, Melania, Melania, you've now given us, by the way, a a great verbiage uh, explanation, and you've just summed it all up. Because, Mm -hmm. and by the way, um, if you had a choice of riding a beautiful elephant, you know, or going on a safari and you see the elephant, how, and, and they're supposed to be very smart. By the way, I have actually seen, true story, since we're talking about elephants, I've actually seen an elephant play soccer in um, Thailand and was kicking the ball into the into the goal. I've actually see? seen that. You would not see a jackass do that. You're absolutely correct, Melania. You are absolutely correct. Absolutely. And you know, Rita, I have to tell you, your callers, like Norm from Brooklyn, these are great patriots. And, and as are you, Rita, and my husband and I truly enjoy you're a very, very good show. You do a good job, Rita. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Wonderful call, Melania. It was great hearing from you. And now that Melania summed it up, we're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. the break we are going to talk about the stunning border numbers of those who have crossed illegally into our country under the biden administration the numbers are staggering the biggest in u.s history and we're also going to be talking to the former commissioner of customs and border protection mark morgan who is one of the best out there he is going to be coming up also later on in the show and of course one of our favorite segments support our heroes where we honor our great veterans and also their families. Meantime, we are talking about the fact that crime is out of control, the economy is out of control, and yet the Democrats continue to talk about windmills and climate change. And if you start talking about a certain topic that they don't like, it's like, uh, well, that person is racist or that person is anti-American or that person is like Hitler, as you just heard Matt Dowd basically saying, if you believe in Trump, you're basically an acolyte of history. I mean, Hitler, it's unbelievable. And then you got Cheney associating basically GOP leadership with Putin. I mean, these people, to me, it just shows how desperate they are that they are trying to do anything they can to smear the Republican Party because they're seeing the polls like we are, and they're seeing that a lot of races are awfully tight 
where originally Democrats had an upper edge, and at least some of the ones in the blue states that we've been talking about. Uh, by the way, tomorrow, also two big debates. We're going to talk about them. Uh, the one with Fetterman Oz and also Zeldin and Hochul. Lots to talk about as we're heading into about two weeks till election night. And what are your thoughts, everybody, on all of this and the fact that crime has taken basically a back step? And even if the Republicans are trying to throw it in now, it's like it's way too little and it's way too late. Let's go to Ray, line six. Ray, your thoughts about all this. Go ahead, Ray. Hello, Rita. Hi, Ray. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. Uh, I want to respond to that caller who was uh, favoring pushing, uh, you know, the um, the criminals in front of the trains. Is you know, is it just uh, you know, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, so to speak? I don't. I can't agree with that, of course, morally. But the, the longer this kind of chaos and disorder goes on, the more that kind of extreme solution is is going to become appealing. You know, barbarism begets barbarism, and we are sinking into that. Well, and, and I that's, think that's I the think danger of this kind of situation, Ray. I think that there there is sort of like a renewed thought of. Um, vigilanteism, if you will, of of sort of like people stepping up, um, you know, because now people are seeing not not to the degree of doing that. You and I obviously both very much agree. You heard I'm vehemently obviously against, you know, throwing somebody in a train or some sort of punishment like that. Um, but I I also understand the frustration of people just in general, not that approach, but it is where people are just so fed up. Um, with seeing these people coming back over and over again. Um, and the latest case was this guy who you see on the videotape. It's been all over the place. The guy's in, you know, suddenly on the subway uh, platform and he pushes somebody and then runs away. Turns out he's had 20 priors. And that's not even the worst of it. So there, we have to do some tough love. And I, But my idea of tough love is lock them up and throw away the key. You know, uh, certainly not push them in front of a train. But I do think there is a, a daunting frustration with a lot of people um, of just how bad it is and the lack of response from many leaders. Ray, thank you. Let's go to Jennifer, line five. Jen, your thoughts about all this? Hey, Rita. Thanks so much for taking my call. And um, I just want to say I appreciate uh, so many of your callers. They're bright, well-informed. And I think Norm is a rock star. If more people were Normans and, you know, they conducted their lives and they they didn't just um, talk the talk, but they walked the walk. Norman is a caring and very involved citizen, and I think he, I think he's great. And um, I love when you give him time to speak. By he's the way, very- I do too. I love Norm. I always and you too. By the way, I mean, you know, it's to me. Um, I think uh, I have the best callers. You know, we yeah. all do here. I think on the Red Apple Audio Network because you guys are what make it. And, and hearing from you and your thoughts, we all learn from all of you. Well, thank you. And I'll try and be brief. I called on the police, but I I'll try and be very concise. Um, the two other points were regarding Cheney and her comments about uh, Kevin McCarthy. Yep, real uh, quick, Jen. Go ahead. Yep. Trust but verify whatever happens that. Yes, it's a very slow country. for where our money goes. Um, and with the police being under, thrown under the... Hey, Jen. Jen, do me a favor. You're breaking up. Um, What I will do is, if you call after the break, uh, we'll also take your calls. No problem, everybody. We'll continue with your calls. Jen, so sorry, but we couldn't hear you. Your phone's breaking up. And we'll continue with your calls. And also, Mark Morgan on Big Border Crossings. 
This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a powerful story coming from Dearborn, Michigan, where the Dearborn Allied War Veterans Council has selected the 2022 Dearborn Veteran of the Year and its United States Marine Corps veteran, Philip Smith. Smith will be honored during the Veterans Memorial Day ceremony. Um, And this is going to be taking place, actually, it's the city's Veterans Day ceremony, and it's in November, on November 14th. The selection committee chose Smith for his years of service to the veteran community in Dearborn after serving 27 years in the Marine Corps. Wow. Smith served as a veteran service officer advocating for both veterans and their families. And also, this is beautiful, for the past 26 years, Smith has been involved in the Toys for Tots program and currently serves as the local coordinating officer. And how beautiful that he is being recognized by his community for his efforts when he was active duty and everything he has done for veterans since then. Well, we are talking now about what is a really troubling, troubling number. Uh, The new number that has just been released from the Biden administration as to how many people have crossed our border this last fiscal year under President Biden is stunning. We all knew that the border was wide open, contrary to what President Biden says and the Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, both of them pretending like the border is not open. But the facts belie whatever they are saying. The numbers speak for themselves. This is absolutely stunning. Some of the new numbers that just came out show that in the fiscal year of 2022, this is one year, everybody, basically the numbers topped on our border there, 2.76 million. That's right, 2.76 million. The previous annual record was about a million less than that. We're not talking like a handful. We're talking a million less. That just shows how much of a leaky sieve our southern border is and what a massive, massive security risk it is. And this administration, the Biden administration, continues to deny, deny, deny. The president doesn't even want to go down to the border, hasn't visited the border. Uh, Kamala has barely visited the border, and she's the border czar. And these new numbers not only are just downright overwhelming and frightening to think about when you think That 2.76 million people, those are just the ones they know about. That doesn't even include the gotaways. And the gotaways are hundreds of thousands that they know got away, that they never had any track of. Then there's the unknown gotaways. So we are talking about since President Biden has taken office, for sure, probably at least 5 million people have crossed through our southern border. To me, that is absolutely stunning. And the fact that we haven't been able to keep track of them, even the ones that have crossed that have had encounters with Border Patrol. How are they going to be able to do it? They are outmanned. In many cases, when they're dealing with cartels, they're outgunned, they're outweaponed. Um, You just see 
the staggering numbers and just how voluminous this is. And think about the effect on our population and our resources and so many of these issues. No wonder so many of these border communities are just overwhelmed. And it is stunning when you see these numbers, the fact that the Biden administration released these numbers. Guess when they released them? They released them just before midnight, essentially, on Friday night, because they knew it was going to look really, really bad. Well, here is Hector Garza with the National Border Patrol Council talking about what these numbers really mean. It's quite clear that the floodgates at the southern border are, are wide open for illegal immigration and for drug smugglers. Uh, unfortunately, the, the solution here is it's going to be a brand new presidential administration that actually has the willpower to actually want to secure the border and, and save American lives and save lives of those uh, uh, migrants that come across the border illegally. Uh, quite frankly, it's just out of control of the border, and, and we're tired. And uh, I don't know how much longer we can go with, with this uh, secret border with this crisis. And joining us now to talk about the historic high border numbers is Mark Morgan. He's the former acting commissioner for Customs and Border Protection, also a visiting fellow for the Heritage Foundation. Mark, great to have you here on the show. Thanks, Rita. Thanks for having me, as always. You know, these numbers are stunning. What did you make of the fact that it's, you know, in one year, and these are the ones, these don't include the gotaways, uh, but just in and of themselves, two 0.4 million, essentially, have crossed our border in one fiscal year under this president. Yeah, and put it in perspective, and if you you include all total encounters, including this past September, right, so the full fiscal year, it actually comes out to 2.7 million total encounters. Think about that. September alone was over 227,000. I shattered another record for the month. Also in this fiscal year, that's very, very important. Uh, uh, you, you mentioned six to seven hundred thousand gotaways. Uh, again, shatters another record, and yet another, you know, an, another record they shattered was a number of illegal aliens that they encountered this fiscal year, which is ninety-eight on the FBI's terror screening database. Now, if you include all the first twenty-first twenty-first uh, month of this administration, you're looking at over five point two million. Illegal aliens either have been encountered or gotten away. 4.2 million encounters and over a million gotaways in the first uh, 21 months of this administration, shattering an all-time record. We've never seen this before, Rita, on our southwest border. That is stunning. What does that mean for U.S. national security, Mark Morgan? That's it. And, Rita, thanks for that, because a lot of people don't ask that question. And and that's why I love coming on your show, because this way it really dovetails into what, what is the truth we've been saying, that, that, that border security is national security. Why? And let, let me walk through real quick, because what happens is, is when, when you have illegal immigration, it pulls border patrol resources off the front line, off their national security mission. And it leaves the border wide open, literally handing operational control to the, to the cartels. And when you have the invasion level, the catastrophic level numbers, millions millions of illegal aliens uh, in the first 21 months, you've got, uh, in some areas, Rita, 80 to 90 percent, that's eight zero to nine zero percent of border patrol resources are not on the front lines. They're off doing administrative duties, hospital watch, transportation, and processing. That literally means the border goes unpatrolled, unmonitored, cartels have operational control. What's the result of that? Bad things and bad people are coming across. We know that criminal aliens are pouring across every single day among the one million gotaways, including murderers, rapists, pedophiles, and gang members. We also know that drugs are pouring across. 
fentanyl. We know all the issues with fentanyl, the epidemic in this country, as well as national, potential national security threats are porn in this country. That's why we keep saying that illegal immigration is not a victimless crime, and it drives our borders to be less secure. You know, I find it interesting, Mark Morgan, the timing of this release, uh, because it comes out uh, Friday night, like it was like after 11 p.m. I mean, yep. I've covered, you know, Washington a long time. That's kind of when you want things to be buried. Uh, how interesting is that, that it was sort of being delayed for weeks upon weeks? And here it is, it comes out. And it's interesting when the White House gets asked about it, the numbers, because they were asked about it today, they were like, well, you know what? Um, you know, there's just a lot of people fleeing places. They they still claim no responsibility for this open border. None. And they pretend they still pretend it's not a crisis. You still have the secretary of Homeland Security saying the borders are closed. You have the vice president of the United States saying our borders are are secure when we know we can see with our own eyes it's a complete lie how can you say the border is secure when you have in 21 months 5.2 million uh, uh, and, uh, uh, and 4.2 million those are encounters and over a million gotaways how can the borders be secure when we know criminals are coming in and we know drugs are coming in and we know sec- uh, potential national security threats are coming in it's outrageous and look look I, i've been in dc for a long time right and unfortunately you're right friday Usually when you re- release something, when you want to bury it. But usually that's, that's like COB, close of business on a Friday. They didn't release it till 11 p.m. And here's something a lot of people don't realize. Former uh, acting DHS Secretary Ken Cuccinelli and ICE Director Tom Holman and I, we actually sent out our own press release on Friday afternoon telling DHS if they didn't release the numbers, we were going to uh, on Monday or Tuesday. And lo and behold, Friday night, at, 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 oh, close to midnight, they released the numbers. I mean, it's it's it's, it's pathetic. I, I mean, it's so transparent that they're trying to hide the truth from the American people. One last thing on this. When I was commissioner responsible for this, not only did we release the numbers as fast as we could after the, the month, but I also personally, I personally held a live press conference every 30 days, and I addressed and answered every single question that was thrown at me because that's the right thing to be fully transparent with the American people. One thousand percent. And by the way, I didn't realize that you and Tom and Ken had sent that letter. That's great that you're putting pressure on them, because yep. who knows if we I was thinking maybe they don't want to release it before the midterms. And uh, I think uh, it. it certainly helped. <laughs> well, if we were ready to go because we agree uh, we had the numbers. So we, we have our sources. So we had all the numbers already. And you're right. I think that's exactly right. sad, sad state. But I think they were intentionally trying to uh, hold the numbers until after the election. And then when we sent that out saying, oh, no, it's not going to work that way, we're going to do it, I thought they had no choice. And so, you know, they had to call people in to work late at night overtime to be able to release at 11 p.m. It's just disgusting. Well, you know, the elections, of course, are uh, just about two weeks away, which is amazing. Um, What do you think will change vis-a-vis the border if, say, the GOP gets the House and the Senate or just the House How do you think things will change, first off, on the money end? And also, what about also, there are already talks about, hey, if they get the House, uh, there might even be calls for impeachment of Mayorkas and certainly hearings. Yeah, so, Reed, you and I were talking about that, you know, a a little bit before. 
And I think you were spot on. Look, this is going to be very important. And, and right now, this is why I say, you know, securing our border is not a right or left thing. And I'm going after the Democrats right now because they're the ones that have unsecured the border intentionally, jeopardizing this country. And so now if the Republicans, let, let's say they take back the House and the Senate, that makes things a lot easier, right? They can get bills passed and they can do that. Right away, the House should introduce, you know, H.R. 1, the House Resolution Bill number 1, and should be all about securing our border, passing the Senate, and defy this president to veto a bill that was passed by both the House and the Senate. Senate that's about securing our border and protecting this country, number one. If they only get back the House, though, it's going to take a lot more political strength, courage, and will uh, to, for the House to do what they need to do. And look, I know a lot of people don't like this, but that means including shutting down the government. We can no longer fund the very agencies whose policies are opening the border. We've got to have the courage and, and strength to do that. And look, I don't think they're going to do a complete 180 reverse course, but at least by doing that, they can stop the bleeding. But look, I'm skeptical. You and I talked about this. Remember, under the uh, Trump administration, the Republicans have the White House, the House, and the Senate, and they failed to pass a single piece of meaningful legislation to secure the border that would have stopped about 85 percent of what's going on now. So I'm hopeful, but I'm skeptical. What about under President Trump? Your thoughts about how he handled the border? Yeah, look, I, I tell you, and, and, and unfortunately, because his own Republicans for the first two years failed to do what they needed to, we had to do a lot through executive order and policy. And look, under his authority, I think President Trump did all that he could do. He gave us a plethora, a, a whole network of tools, authorities, and policies to be able to do our job and secure the border, right? It was well beyond just the wall system, right? But it was the wall system. It was the Remain in Mexico program. It was the asylum cooperative agreements with all three Northern Triangle countries. It, we were uh, given ICE the, the authority to actually do their job in the interior and remove criminals and people that were here unlawfully. And this, this administration has come in, and they took all of that away. Another thing that President Trump did, too, is, hey, he used his position as the president of the United States to put leverage on the Northern Triangle countries in Mexico. They stepped up to deal and, and address this as a regional crisis it is like never before. Mexico at one point had over 20,000 personnel not only securing their southern border, but also securing their interior and shutting down their northern border as well. And we had all three Northern Triangle countries that were agreeing to come on and help as safe third countries as well. It was unprecedented what we accomplished under President Trump. Yeah, and also they knew that he meant business, uh, that they he was going to turn them around. So, I mean, that the messaging and the actions, that is so key. Um, Mark Morgan, really great to have you here, the former acting commissioner for Customs and Border Protection. And you are terrific. I always love having you on the show, Mark. Thank you. You bet, Rita, anytime. How stunning is it to hear those numbers from Mark Morgan about how many have crossed and what it all means? And by the way, Migrant deaths, this is really sad. 856 migrants died at the southern border in fiscal year 2022. It has been the deadliest year for migrants crossing as well. So heartbreaking numbers in so many arenas. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike in Lake George on Line 5. Uh, Mike, your thoughts about all this? This is amazing that they leak it on a late Friday night, hoping it gets buried because it's such bad news for this Biden administration. How you doing, Rita? I'm good, uh, but I'm fired up because I, I think it is so outrageous. I, I, you, I mean, you think about the I numbers, Mike, late. on the American public, and we have no say about <laughs> it, and they want us to think we're a bunch of morons? You know, like it's not a open? Bunch of mor- yeah, it's like, 
you know, I was in Lake George. I'm in Myrtle Beach. I called you. Uh, I'm a snowbird down here. I called you last week. And uh, you know what? Um, it, it's unbelievable. You know, you just to think they, they give a deaf ear and a blind eye. And I love the vice president. He's great. Oh, the borders are fine. I'm going on vacation this weekend. They give us a deaf ear and a blind eye. And it's like, are you kidding me? You know, am I really believing what they say? And, and, and you know, Democratic Party, Biden and his cohorts, you know, they can get away with everything, overspending and this and that. It's, it's getting to the point where it's, uh, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. This is almost like, you know, you can't make it up. You yeah, can't you can't. It it, yeah, and, and Mike, to yeah. add sort of insult to injury, too, is also, you know, you look at what happened with the migrant tent city. I mean, you know, it's amazing. There are people that are homeless, homeless veterans and others uh, that are staying at a homeless shelter right next to where that tent city is in Randall's Island in New York. And they're like upset because they see this nice, like shiny tent with fluff and fold laundry and snacks and everything. And they're like, you should take a look at the homeless shelter that they're in. And they said, that looks like third world. And it looks like, uh, you know, first class is in the front for illegal immigrants. I, I mean, you know, you can't make it up. It's terrible. And and to me, the amount of money that it takes and the amount of manpower that it has taken uh, to have these historic numbers. And again, I don't know if you heard, Mike, because it's not even just like it's a little bit off. Uh, the previous annual record was one million less. It's not like just a little off. It's a lot off. That's a lot of numbers off. So in other words, this has been skyrocketing, and I just don't see it ending. I mean, that's the scary thing, unless you vote in people that care about law and order and care about our borders. Mike, thank you very much. Take good care of beautiful Myrtle Beach. You know, I went to University of South Carolina, so I love Myrtle Beach. Thank you very, very much. Let's go to Dave in Pennsylvania. Dave, uh, your thoughts on line two. Your thoughts. Hi, Rhea. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, well, you know, as we were outraged and disgusted and can't be, are blown away by these numbers, on the left side, they're celebrating and having a party because this is exactly what they want. It's done by design. And whether it causes havoc, murder, rape, drug, uh, you know, overdoses that we're seeing, it doesn't matter. It just shows you how almost psych- sociopathic and murderous uh, these folks are with the media and the, and the leftist politicians. I wouldn't say they're not doing all these acts, but they're enabling. They're the biggest, they're most murderous and psychopathic, passive aggressive institutions in our country to allow this to happen. They're not doing all the acts, but they're enabling all these tragedies to happen. Yeah, and you know what's interesting, Dave? They are clearly turning a blind eye. I mean, it's a blatant blind eye and want us all to believe like we're not seeing what's going on with our own eyes. And they're not realizing that, you know, there's there's cameras down there, there's drones down there. And all you have to do is like at any like random minute, day or night, there's there are people crossing the border. And it, it has to happen for two point seven six million across in fiscal year 2022, you know, and the fact that they put it out on a Friday night, you know, late, late and have been delaying it for weeks upon weeks. And you just heard from Mark Morgan uh, that I undoubtedly think the pressure that he and Tom Homan and Ken Cuccinelli, all great patriots um, who have, know the border very, very well, that they wrote that letter basically saying, hey, we know the numbers. If you don't release it, we're going to. I think he, they forced them because they probably weren't going to release it until after the midterms because they know how bad it looks. 
Uh, Dave, thanks so much for the call. We're going to continue with your calls after the break. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Calls everybody one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to line five. Uh, Tony, Tony, your thoughts. Go ahead. Hi, Rita. How are you? Good, good, good. What do you think? I think that uh, Lewis uh, had a had a great idea regarding if you kill somebody, you should be killed. Uh, wait, wait, wait. You're, wait, Tony. You're talking about Lewis, who said that uh, people should be thrown in front of a train. I mean, that sounds like no. I said it's not third uh, world. That's like fourth world justice. My goodness. But maybe, maybe you forgot what happened this summer with the summer of love. Remember the summer of love? Yes. Well, when listen. People got killed in the street. Remember that when people were I hated were bringing it. Guns? Huh? I hated when people it. People were bringing guns. You're right. That was that was terrible. I listen to you every night because that's the time that I finish work. But uh, going back to what I was saying is that if you kill somebody, you should be killed. Simple as that. And you got to teach that to kids in school, too. Listen, kids, if you do this, you're going to have to face the death penalty. Although you, although Tony, you could you could also make the case, and I'm not I'm not debating death penalty with you here, but you could make the case that uh, tough time in prison, if somebody has definitely done something wrong, um, could also be a punishment too, because then they got to live with what they said. Um, I think about uh, Joe Arpaio, who we've had here on the show, who makes them wear you know the pink underwear and makes them uh, you know solitary confinement or or you know serious crimes are really serious punishments, and you know they do like the the rock quarry like the old days, as opposed to sitting there having fluff and fold laundry. Um, so I, I hear what you're saying about the frustrations because it seems like so many people are skirting justice. I don't necessarily think going to such severe cases, but I do think, um, you know, there are many people who are not sadly uh, rehabilitative. You cannot get them fixed, and that's really sad. And I think those people, we need to lock them up. Um, And I do think they're just some horrible, horrible people. And we need to recognize this. And Democrats need to recognize that. And voters need to recognize it when you go to the voting booth, guys. A lot on the line this year. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.